Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Well, hey there. Thank you for giving us the gift of your time today and for joining us on this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. Before we get started, I just want to let you know about my new latest book, Building Your Brand, Make Business Happen in a Global Economy, which is a compilation of interviews and insights drawn from this podcast over the last three years. So take a look, check it out on Amazon. But let's get to the good stuff. The reason that you're here today is I'm so excited because we're going to talk about disruptive and reinvention and the architecture and design space. And we have a wonderful guest for you who is one of the most innovative people in architecture today. And he's been on building and design construction list of 40 under 40. And he has such great stories to tell about technology and the infusion of change that he's making in the industry. So without further ado, let's welcome Christian Giordano to the program. Thank you, Allison. Thanks for having me. Well, I gave you a big lead up. Um, so tell us about uh, the company that you're president of and some of the high level things that you do today. Sure, sure. So uh, the, the name of the company um, that I'm president of and also uh, owner of is Mancini Duffy. So we're a hundred year old architecture firm. The firm traces its roots back through a series of acquisitions uh, over a hundred year period. And I came to the firm about 10 years ago with the idea that I would come in, they wanted a young guy to kind of come in and change the culture of the firm and you know, bring it into a more contemporary light of, of the way we practice architecture. Um, and that's, that's basically what I did. Uh, I came in and immediately we hired a bunch of new people and we started going after projects that were not the norm of what Mancini Duffy typically did. Mm-hmm. Um, Mancini was known for corporate interiors for financial institutions. Um, so very, very nice practice, <laughs> but very specific. Yeah, I'm going to laugh because you don't think of innovation and disruption when you say that. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So we started going after tech companies and new buildings and larger projects and hospitality, restaurants, airports. And those are all the kinds of projects that we you know, went after and were, you know, over time, obviously it, it took many years, but we were able to transition Mancini from that purely corporate interiors firm to the diverse practice that we are today um, and continue to grow the firm. We still do the corporate interiors, don't get me wrong. Um, and, and those are great projects, but we've really begun to uh, broaden what it is that we do. Well, and one of the things that I'm aware of is you've really worked on redefining the collaboration process and the design process. So can you tell us some about that? Sure. So so one of the things that architects do, and, and I think we've always done, is we you know, we essentially mimic everything that's been done throughout the history of architecture in terms of hand drawings. So even though you've probably heard and your audience has probably heard of CAD, uh, CAD is almost just a representation of or, or a recreation of hand drawings. Sure, it moved things a little bit faster. You could kind of clean up your mistakes a little bit faster. 
But it really wasn't until architects started working in 3D mm-hmm. um, that the, the, ch- the change really began to happen. So what we've done is we work in a, in a 3D program. We've retrained the entire staff into this 3D program. Everything is drawn in this. And what that does is that gives us the power to understand every aspect. So if we're designing a pantry inside a corporate interiors, when we put those objects in 3D, the refrigerator knows it's a refrigerator. It's not just a bunch of lines that represent a refrigerator. Those are smart objects. So what we've done is we've said, okay, well, we've gotten this far. Why are we still imitating what we do on a normal basis? And flattening our drawings and printing them out. We're putting all of this data and all of this incredible information into these 3D models and we're developing them so, so um, to such a high level. But then we're just flattening them out and printing them and giving, to, giving them to a contractor or making pretty renderings to show to a client. So what we've done is we've essentially authored our own software that connects the 3D process to a virtual reality system. And we've adapted that virtual reality system for COVID because not everyone wanted to come into the office and put on the headphone, uh, the, the, uh, uh-huh. uh, the headset and look around. So right now, the way we work is we've completely changed our process. We take a client from the very beginning. We put them inside their space. So if we're doing a restaurant, let's say, we can put the chef inside the kitchen and we can start to build using all of the component parts that that chef wants, the correct stove, the correct washing stations, the correct setup. And that chef can actually play almost like a gamified version of design. So they can move their, their you know, stoves around, they can move the line, they can pretend and, and, and get a good feel of how to actually see space feel that space, and then we can begin to design around them. All the while, the model is being created, and they're actually they're in their environment. There's no guesswork to it whatsoever. Uh, it's, a, it's a very, very powerful tool that we've, that we've developed. And so these products, is this one, um, so the first one that you talked about is, is branded under the design lab, is that correct? Correct, yes. The design lab is sort of a separate R&D um, Um, portion of Mancini Duffy. And in the design lab, we have, unlike any other architecture firm, we actually have hired computer programmers and developers. So they're helping develop the software in conjunction with the designers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many of them are educated actually as architects. So they're very familiar with what it is that we need to do with the software. But it's a perfect synergy of designers saying, well, this is how I would like the software to function. And we're working almost one-on-one in that case. And then we bring the client into the fold and the client's now giving instant feedback as well as projects are being designed. So when you said, okay, we're going to make this, this change, um, and you talk about a hundred-year-old company, and even though they brought you in to do this, like they, they said, yes, yes, take us to this new place. Um, how much, like you said, you brought in new people, but did you have people that, you know, change management is a tough thing. Um, any tips on how you approach that? So I, you know, I got lucky along the way, I will say, kind of looking back, the the previous owners of the firm, um, I didn't realize it at the time when I came, but they really were looking to retire. And so, you know, as I began to prove myself and prove that, hey, I, you know, we were going to innovate our process, 
We were going to uh, change the, the, the sectors that we, we typically practice in, and we're going to bring in all of these other people. And I proved that we could, we could do this, right? That I could bring the revenue in. You know, we doubled the revenue of the company. We're now a $20 million company. And so once we proved that out, it became a lot easier to approach them. And, and honestly, one of the, the main partners at the time, he made an offhanded comment uh, and said, well, I said, you know, Tony, are you, his name was Tony Sharippa, you know, when are you looking to retire? And he said, well, no one's made me an offer yet. And so that that night I went home and I- That's an invitation together, if I ever heard one. <laughs> exactly. I put together an offer and um, I brought along some other younger partners that worked here as well. And we devised the plan as to how we were going to buy him out over a number of years. And, you know, to my surprise, he agreed. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to say it was all, you know, bubblegum and ice cream along the way. Um, there were certainly bumps in the road and there was resistance in certain areas. And especially when it came to the culture and the people, mm -hmm. you know, Mancini Duffy functioned as a very traditional architecture organization. It's, you know, the, the lead architect is in charge and everybody kind of marches to that beat where my philosophy was much more what we call entrepreneurial here. If you have an idea and you, whether it's a technology idea or a design idea or a product or a, you know, we design furniture, if it's a furniture idea, um, please come and talk to me. I wanna hear what that is and we will put resources, money, hours, additional hires, whatever it needs to make that a reality. That Cause that's always when I worked in sort of growing up in the business, that's what I always lacked, is I always lacked the ability to say to the ownership of the company, hey, I have all these ideas, can you support me? And it was usually, eh, no, not really, you kind of have to do your day job. And I always did my day job, I wanted to also do an additional work. And so here I kind of feel that way, my, my way, my, my my thought process is if you have an idea and we can support you, not only are you going to try to make that idea work well for yourself, but you're also going to do your day-to-day -day tasks because you just want to prove that you can do both or you can do more. Mm -hmm. uh, and so who am I to stop anyone from doing that? And we, listen, we've had some clunkers along the way. Uh, we've definitely gone down roads where, where it didn't quite work out where we, where we wanted to it, but it always led to something else. Um, and it led to this software called the Tool Belt and reinventing our design process. Well, let's talk about some of some of the designs um, for our listeners. If you happen to be near a computer or just make a mental note later, um, the website is Mancini Duffy, M-A-N-C-I-N-I-D-U-F-F-Y. And, you know, I think what's fun, even if architecture is not your line of business or your space, but to just go take a look and you've got some wonderful um, case studies. Can you give us an example of a project that you really enjoyed working on or where you really got to use this tool belt um, technology? Sure. I get one offhand, um, the one that comes to mind offhand is for um, Mars, the candy company. Mm -hmm. So it was a large uh, interiors job in Newark, New Jersey, just across the river from our office in Manhattan. And a very large job, uh, probably about 300,000 square feet, 
they were relocating from Hackettstown, New Jersey, which is where they actually make the M&Ms. <laughs> and, but they were relocating the corporate uh, side and sales side to Newark. Uh, Newark was giving a whole bunch of tax incentives. And so this was going to be their global headquarters. And we pitched them on this idea very early on that we were going to take them through this process, that we weren't going to do a single hand drawing. We weren't going to show them uh, paper. We were going to actually invite them into their space from day one. And when I tell you the, the response was incredible and we, we videotaped it and we watched them in our lab doing this. And ultimately when we got to, um, when we had to present to the, the higher, higher up executives that were ultimately gonna bless the project and fund it, you know, they all flew in from around the world. They came to our lab and we put them in a headset, you know, one by one. And they were able to walk into the building, go up the elevator, navigate around the space, move things around, make comments, change materials if they didn't like certain things. We could look at it from, you know, from dusk to dawn, change the, change the environment around it. And, you know, we walked away from a session, you know, having a complete sign off of everything. Normally that would have taken probably three or four meetings. And we did that in, in a meeting in an afternoon and everyone agreed that they were on the same page. And we walked away from that and got it built without without any issues along the way, which, um, you know, again, it's it's all about getting clients to see what it is, see our vision for design or their vision for design and be able to make decisions. It's hard for clients to make decisions. These are big projects, big money. Uh, and how can we get them to that decision faster? Well, I and I, I think that's interesting. Any of us that have had jobs or, or roles or anybody listening that has a client interface, you know, getting the clients to all be on the same page or getting the right answers out of them when you're just using words to describe, or like you said, some, some line drawings, it's a tough thing. And so I love this example of how you're using, um, how you're using VR. So I want to come back and ask, because you said you were capable with, with between this new technology and these new changes of you know, moving to a double revenue, you know, you doubled your, your revenue. Can you tell us a little bit about your marketing and, and sales strategy or did stuff come organically as you started to make these technology changes? Yeah, it's true. I, so I, I, I still say we're a, we're, a, we're a really great hidden secret, right? Um, because the more and more I show what we've done and we get more examples under our belt, and we've probably done a couple hundred projects through this process now, mm -hmm. um, you know, the more a client will come back and say, I will never work in any other fashion, right? I'll never, I'll never do it the traditional method again, because A, I'm getting better design, I'm getting faster design, and I'm getting getting more coordinated design, uh, and I'm, I'm able to see it. I actually know what I'm getting in the end. And so it really happened over time. It was a building process and more word of mouth and relationships. And the more we did it, the more confident we were, the more we were able to train additional designers and ultimately the entire staff in this process. And, you know, everywhere that we would go and get an opportunity and pitch it, you know, nine times out of 10, we'd win the work because we had a differentiator that was real. One, one of the things that, that Ralph Mancini, you know, one of the original, obviously, 
partners at Mancini Duffy would say, you know, you have to stand out in a presentation. And he would he would always joke, um, if you have to show up naked to the presentation to stand out, well, then show up naked. You know, and, and that always sort of stuck with me for years. You know, what what is it that we do differently? And I, you know, I would struggle with, well, we're, we're a cool, young, fun place to work. And yeah, that's that's a little bit different. Um, well, we can bring it in on time and on budget. But everyone says that, you know, what really is it that we do differently? And when we talked about design and we, you know, we always push technology, technology was something that I always was, um, you know, at the forefront of, uh -huh. this finally gave me the, I, it kind of all clicked. And once it clicked, ah, this is going to be our differentiator. And not only is it going to be our differentiator, but we're going to actually change the profession in terms of how it interacts with technology uh -huh. and how our clients interact with us. And once we figured that out, it really organically began to, to happen. And so I don't have to be the only one to, to be in a pitch to present it. Uh, now there's, you know, 70 other people here, you know, at this firm that can easily pitch this process. And we begin to roll it out. And one of our things that we're gonna be doing now is going national with it. You know, we're gonna start opening up offices in other cities um, and really start to get the word out of this is the new process, this is how it's done, and we're gonna lead you in, in this direction. When you say you're gonna open offices in other cities, would you, this is an interesting question, and I might be asking something that's overstepping, so I'm gonna, but I'm gonna <laughs> ask is, you know, the way that, that you did this first piece is you purchased the company. You know, you explained the story about how you became the owner. So when you look to expand to other cities, do you think you would look to acquisitions or are you looking to really start it fresh with the culture that you want? That's a really good question. And I've thought a lot about this. And the reality is, is that I'm looking more for the entrepreneur that's working at a larger firm or another firm that doesn't quite think they could become the owner or the person in charge. It's I'm looking for me 10 years ago, 15 years ago, <laughs> that always wanted to have his own firm. And there were many times where I was going to go out on my own. But part of the problem in architecture about just going out on your own, and listen, it can happen to anyone, is you have to usually start out small. No one's going to trust you with a 75-story tower in downtown Manhattan um, if you're just going out on your own. Mm -hmm. You may be perfectly qualified to do it. Um, and you may have the resources to, to figure out how to hire people and you could start a firm and many have done that. But the reality is you're gonna start small. And I never liked small. I didn't like doing people's kitchen renovations or small additions on people's houses. Uh, I like doing it on my own house, but not, not on, on other people's houses. And I always liked the large scale work, the hotels, the restaurants, the, you know, the corporate office stuff. Um, because you were able to express yourself from a design point of view that you wouldn't have been able to do if it was a, you know, a small bathroom renovation. And listen, there's nothing wrong with all of that. And some people have made wonderful careers on small projects. And in some ways, I'm a little jealous of them. <laughs> um, so I'm looking for that person as we, you know, we, as we do projects in other cities, 
um, because that's really kind of how we're, we're evolving is we you know, we get a restaurant in a city or like in Miami, we've got a few projects in South Carolina, we have a few projects actually in Chicago, we have a few projects. So as we begin to, you know, amass some projects in those areas, I'm looking for a person that is entrepreneurial that wants to have their own office essentially, but be part of Mancini so that we can, we can support them. We can bring the credibility that we have of the hundred years of the technical abilities that we have. In the end, it, you know, you still have to know how to build, uh, how to draw, how to design. So we can bring all of that to someone as we begin to spread nationally. So I usually ask people, we usually close with, if we talk to you again in a couple of years, what's the vision? But you've just laid out the vision for us. So I have to switch it up a little bit. Um, I want to I want to go back um, and actually ask you for, um, you know, your leadership advice. One is, I agree with you that entrepreneurs, like true entrepreneurs, the ones that are really going to be business builders within your business are, are very sometimes underrated, like like every business needs them. And so I appreciate you bringing that forward in this interview um, very, very much. But I have to ask you instead, what is a leadership tip instead that you would give to somebody that is, is in that process of making those decisions around major investments in technology that are untried and untested? Um, was it a little stressful at times as, as you went down that path? Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny that you've mentioned vision, right? Because my, my tip is that is to have a vision as to where you want to go. Um, just sort of adopting technology for technology's sake isn't necessarily the right, the right move. Um, you know, I always had this, this idea of automation in architecture and what could that do? Um, a lot of ideas and but but no real way to kind of codify them and and figure them out in a process that we had. And so my, my tip is to be honest with those around you and to say to them, you know, hey, I have this idea, but I need your help in directing this idea and the many other ideas that I have into something that's actually tangible. And that's really what we did here. It was a lot of ideas. And then we honed in on process, we honed in on virtual reality, we honed in on 3D. And that is really what led us to where we were. But if I wasn't honest with people in front and say, listen, I, I kind of have this idea, I think I know where we want to go, but I don't really know how to get there, then others wouldn't have ever stepped up and said, well, I have an idea and how we can get there. And I have this other idea that can help us uh, move it forward. And it really became a collaborative effort. So if it was my idea, in the end, it's probably only about 1% of my idea that's actually in there. It's everybody else's ideas that have, that have moved us forward. Well, Christian, thank you so much for sharing your story and for sharing the story of Mancini Duffy. If our listeners want to learn more, how can they reach you? Where should they go? So, yeah, so my LinkedIn page, which is C. Giordano uh, on LinkedIn, you can look up Mancini Duffy where I'm on the, on the website, obviously. I also have my own podcast called The Anti-Architect, uh, which is on, you know, all the podcast channels, Spotify, Apple, uh, SoundCloud, and really all that, that is a, it's a look at the architecture profession. 
a mm -hmm. little bit more critically. You know, what do architects do well? What do we not do well? How can we improve the process? How can we better improve the, the communication among our clients and our, our engineers and others that are all part of this, um, this wonderful profession? The idea is to make it better uh, and, and really help our clients along the way. So it's interesting, the podcast name is the ant is anti-architect. The anti-architect. The yes. anti-architect. <laughs> wow. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so to our listeners, if Christian shared anything in this episode that you think somebody else would benefit from hearing, please pass it along. Please also let them know about his podcast and, and how to reach out. Thank you again um, for sharing your story. If if there is a disruptive or innovative CEO, um, company founder, thought leader that you think I need to speak to, send me a note at connect at allisoncasesummers.com. Until then, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. And Christian, again, thank you, thank you for being our guest today. Allison, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.